Ray. Well, good morning. It's cool to have my mum here in the front row. Come on. Um, I um, just had a bit of a thought when I was sitting side of stage waiting. I, our keyboardist was sick this morning, and so I, I jumped in last minute to kind of jump in and do keys. I'm just going to move this back. Um, anyway, so I came off stage. I was like, I'll just sit side of stage or read the Bible or just pray a little bit. And this is what I was thinking. And this is um, in my Bible I got given when I was saved. That um, the Isaiah 55, 10 through 11 is what's on the inside cover right there. And this is what I felt the Lord was saying. This is for you, for someone today. Um, would you just close your eyes and receive this? As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth, making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The word of the Lord over your life today is that he will not fail to complete what he said he will do. There are people sitting in this room, I felt the Lord saying, who you, you, you know that God has given you a promise, you know that God has spoken, you know that God has said something, but you're in the waiting and God is saying to you today, my word is coming back to me, it's like a boomerang, I've thrown it, it's coming back to me and it will accomplish all it has set out to do in your life. And so Lord Jesus, right now, for the person who that's for, the people who that's for today, God, I thank you that, that, that your word will not fail. God, that you will not fail. You will complete all you have said and set out to do. You will not fail, God. And so I just pray confidence and boldness and trust into, um, into this congregation, into your people, God, that we would trust you. We would know that you are faithful to do all that you have said you will do. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So I, I dyed my hair blonde. Um, I just, just addressed the elephant in the room. I dyed my hair blonde, not because I'm a liberal, but because I realized that last year, last summer was the only summer that I hadn't dyed my hair blonde and it sucked. And so I'm prophesying right now. You know, like I'm not just prophesying with my lips. I'm prophesying with my head on display that, that summer is coming. Um, and so... When you see my blonde hair, just agree with me. Say, yes, Lord, we agree that summer is coming. The winterless north that I was promised, it, it, will, take, it will flourish. One of the reasons that I'm looking forward to summer is that um, I got a smoker when I first moved up here for my birthday. And um, I haven't really been able to learn how to use it yet because it just rains every day. And, um, and I'm, I really want to learn how to use my smoker because so far I've, 
I've had six attempts and all but one have completely failed. Like, there have been two times now where we've been hanging out with the DS and I go around at like 8 a.m. I take my smoker with me because it's a, just a little one. And I'm like, we're going to have pork ribs for dinner. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smoke some ribs, right? Every single time it gets to like 10.30 at night and the ribs still aren't finished and we end up eating these tough barbecue ribs. And I mean, like generally I, I'm like all good in the kitchen. You generally like, I, I, like, I don't struggle with that. Like I, I would say, you know, I'm definitely like above average in the kitchen. <laughs> I made some mean chicken parmigiano for my parents last night. It was Fabulous. I can't believe I just said the word fabulous. It's not really my personality type, but that's all right. Um, it is, actually. That's 100% my personality type. I should start using that word more often, actually. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I just I can't, I can't nail smoking meat. I, I did one. The one time I had, I had success was when I smoked an entire full pack of brisket. Like, that worked. But so that when I smoked like a hundred dollar piece of meat, but every other time I try to smoke some ribs or whatever, no go. Um, but when you're smoking ribs, has anyone ever smoked meat before? No. Okay. Well, no one's going to give me tips after this. I remember like I preached a message like last year and talked about how I wanted to um, learn how to be better at golf. And so many of the guys in the church came up afterwards and gave me their, like, tips. Um, and I've never played golf again since. So, <laughs> I don't know what that's about. But um, when you're, like, smoking meat or out by a bonfire, you know, like, that, like, that stuff sticks to you. Like... Like, I walk in and I'm like, man, have I been, like, smoking a pack of cigarettes? Not that I've ever done that. But, like, it feels like you just, it's in your lungs, the smoke is on your hands, it's everywhere. And if you're doing pork ribs, I apologize to the vegans today. There's going to be a bit of meat content, but you'll be okay. Um, this can be your quota for the year. But, like, when you're, like, smoking barbecue pork ribs like part way through you have to like make some barbecue sauce and like brush it on and I just like I would come away from smoking like pork ribs at 10 30 at night when they were tough and awful to eat um and I would just be like I smell a smoke my hands are sticky because of the like barbecue sauce I put on and I mean every single time I get to the end I'm like that's it I'm never doing this again. This is, like, it's sticky. It's everywhere. I feel like I have to have five showers to, like, try and get this back. Um, and I want to I look at, I want to preach a message today called Sweet and Smoky. And before we get to the passage, I want to just do a quick, um, the opposite of deep. I want to do, like, a 40,000-foot level look at the Bible because um, this is, my starting lens when I come to scripture, when I go to a passage, when I'm, I'm thinking about what I want to teach, what I want to talk about, this is the, my starting point. And so the, 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 the way that I first think about scripture is that it is broken into, obviously, the Old and New Testament, 
Um, but the way I look at the Old Testament, um, and this isn't my idea, I've, I've stolen this from other people, but that's fine, is that the Old Testament is Moses, the books of Moses, and then commentary and outworking and prophetic words based off of what happens in those first five books. So everything in the Old Testament that we read is a reference back to, it's a recapitulation, it's a, you know, a fulfillment of, you know, one of the promises where God says, if, if you do the right thing, I'll bless you. If you do the wrong thing, I'll curse you. And then you get to the prophets and you're like, oh, they're doing the curse thing now because they did the wrong thing. They go into exile for 70 years and they're like, oh, we, they didn't honor the Lord and the land. And so he took them out so the land could have a break from the, from these people. And like, when you look at it that way, it, it becomes really helpful because you go, okay, everything in the Old Testament is pointing back to Moses. Moses is the central figure. And then when we come to the New Testament, we, we see the same thing. It's the Gospels, the four um, books that tell, talk about the life of Jesus. And then it's commentary, outworking, and prophetic words based off of what T Jesus taught. And when you look at it, this, and this is helpful because this is the way our Bibles are laid out. Um, they're laid out this way. So the Old Testament is laid out with the five books of Moses. And then Joshua through Esther is the history of the outworking of those books. That's where you've got Kings and Chronicles, all of those books, is the history of this playing out. The New Testament, we see the four Gospels and then the book of Acts, which is the history and the outworking of the Gospel. And then after that, we start to see the writings, the letters in the Old Testament, the, the prophetic letters, the writings, the Psalms, the prophetic books. You come to the New Testament, we have the same thing. So it goes, all of the books go, the central idea, the covenant that God makes, the outworking of that in the people group, the, the, the expansion of that, and then the writings that accompany what? the expansion. And so the New Testament is, is the same. It's Jesus. It's the outworking of the church. And then finally, we see the letters that are happening as the outworking of the church through the book of Acts is taking place. And so when we're reading the Old Testament, when we're looking at the Old Testament, this is where we're going to stay today. Um, we're going to continuously be pulled back to the books of Moses, those first five books of the Bible. That's what we're going to continue to pull back to. And so the verse that I want to preach from, hopefully within 20 minutes from now, is Psalm 114, verse 2. But to get there, we're going to start back in Exodus, because when you go to Psalm 114, verse 2 in a Bible... And this is why it's important to have a physical Bible. I was going to bring chocolate like I do at youth. At, at, at youth, I bring chocolate bars. And if you bring your Bible to youth, sometimes I give you chocolate. Um, but when, you, when you're reading the Bible, it'll, in Psalm 141, it links you back to this passage. And so commentators and then the, I, I usually read the ESV. So the committee that have translated the ESV, they all have agreed that, and throughout the last 2,000 years of church history, that this verse in Psalms 141 is linked with this verse back, this passage back in the book of Exodus. 
So that's where we're going to start. This is what it says. Verse uh, Exodus 29. Grab a Bible if you've got one with you. I'll give you a moment to turn there. Exodus 29, and we're going to go to verse 38. I'll give you 15 seconds to go there. It's in the first five books of the Bible, so it's not too far. If you hit Psalms, go back. It's like those signs when you're like going onto a, a one-way street and you've gone the wrong way. It's like, wrong way, wrong way. The book of Psalms is like that. It's like, nope, I've, I've gone the wrong way. I need to go back to Moses. You there? All right. Exodus 29, 38. Now, this is what you shall offer on an altar. Two lambs a year, day by day, regularly. God is not a manipulative boyfriend who doesn't tell you what he wants. God isn't, he's not trying to hide from you what he likes. He is clear, he's concise, he, is, he, he, he says to his people who he wants to be in relationship with, this is what I like, this is how I would like you to approach me. He's actually, he's very, very easy to understand. He gives, like he, he, he in scripture tells us what he likes and he says here, this is what I like. I would like you to offer two lambs a year, a year old, day by day, regularly. Now, that's expensive. Have you seen the price of lamb at the moment? My gosh. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. Now, he's, he's, he's not just said that he wants lambs. He's like, I would like lamb for breakfast and lamb for dinner, please. Like, this is... And so he's like, he, what he's doing here is he's saying to the Israelites, hey guys, I want you to start your morning with me and I want you to end your day with me. I want you to come and meet with me in the morning and meet with me at the end of the day, which is reminiscent of God with Adam and Eve in the garden. He, it only says he walked with them in the cool of the morning and devote to me. And honestly, I think that we could be more religious. I know it's like charismatic Pentecostals, we like to say, and we sing that song, you know, break down the walls of all my religion. And I agree with that to a point. But I think we could be more religious. I would suggest you should be religious about attending church on Sundays. Like that should be a religious thing. We do it. Sickness, health, rain or shine, like we past COVID, come to church sick. We don't care anymore. You can get healed here. Um, like we have a great ventilation system now for that. Unless you're like, you know, coughing blood, come, come to church. Like at least then, you know, like anyway, like rain or shine, we come to church. Rain or shine, we give 10% of our income to God. Rain or shine, I spend time with God in the morning, in the evening. Like, I think we could be more religious with our devotion to God. And the first lamb, a tenth measure, and with the first lamb, a tenth measure of fine flour mingled with a fourth of, a fourth of a hint of beaten oil and a fourth of a hint of wine for a drink offering. God is like, this is how I would like my meal prepared. Please bring me bread and wine with it. Like, I don't want to just eat lamb on its own. I would like the red wine and some fresh bread, please. Like, God is 
clearly laying out for them, like, I would like tacos, because there's no yeast in this bread. So he's like, I would like a lamb taco, please, and a glass of wine on the side. Obviously, he's not actually eating it. This is being burnt up, but that's fine. It's just for fun. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight, and you shall offer with it a grain offering and a drink offering as in the morning for a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. And so now we're seeing why God is picking these things. He, like, have you ever smelt fresh bread in the oven? Damn, it makes me want to worship. You know, like, when I'm baking like a loaf of ciabatta, it's like, and I throw up my hands. You know, like, it's, it's exciting. My stomach is, I know, again, apologize to the gluten-free people. This message isn't for you. But like, like bread, fresh bread cooking, the smell of lamb roasting. Like, I think God's like, man, I like that smoky smell. I like it when you guys are out barbecuing and I can smell that smoky smell. Like, it's a pleasing fragrance to me. A food offering to the Lord. It shall be a regular burnt offering throughout the generations at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet with you to speak with you there. So he's saying, guys, this isn't just like, we're going to do it once, we're going to do it for your lifetime. Uh, I need you to teach your children how to do this as well. Like, I need you to instruct your children the same way that, like, you would teach them how to, like, wash their smelly armpits. I want you to teach your children how to worship the Lord. Um, It's not just enough that we teach kids, our kids the Bible, or teach them the things that God, like, the, the, the things that God says we should and shouldn't do. We actually have to teach them how to worship the Lord. We have to instruct them in how how do you create, how do you have a devotional time? How do you meet with God? There, will, uh, there I will meet with the people of Israel and it shall be sanctified by my glory. So God has said, hey, when you do things the way I've said I like it, I will meet you with my glory and I will sanctify it and I will make it holy. And so God is saying that when we worship him the way he likes, he meets us in glory and makes our worship holy. Isn't that incredible? Like when we worship God the way he likes, his glory comes and meets with us. I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. Not you, I will do it. Like, it is God who then consecrates it. Aaron also and his sons will consecrate, I will consecrate to serve me as priests. So there's this role of, of, of this is done by the priesthood. Um, I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God, and they shall know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. So what's happening in this passage is Moses, God's given Moses and Aaron the instructions for how to set up the tabernacle. And he's like, all right, we're going to create like a couple of squares uh, or like rectangles. And uh, uh, there's like different levels of um, where you're allowed to go. 
So in the very center, there was the Holy of Holies, which is where the presence of God was. Um, and, and so the presence of God is in the middle. He, God is present. He's there in his glory. There is a veil between God and man, because, um, which is what Jesus comes in, in tears eventually. Inside that room, uh, so outside of that, there's the room which we're going to look at next. And then there's this outer court, which is where the altar is, where these sacrifices would be burned. And so there is this regular reminder for, not just for Aaron and his sons, the ones that God has asked to do this, but the whole of Israel morning and night would smell the smell that God said, I like. Morning and night, they would, it was open air. This was just going everywhere. They would hear and smell the smell of lamb roasting, of some red wine. I don't really know what that smells like when it's burning. Uh, you know, maybe you could test it out one day and find out. And some fresh bread. And they're smelling the smell, and it's constantly reminding them that they are gods. They're not their own that they belong to God, that God is, because it says, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt. And so when this happens, it reminds the people that God is God. He is the one that delivered them. He is the one that saves them. And so it would be easy to kind of get to this point of view, this point, and be like, um, like, it seemed a bit excessive, God. Like, that's a lot of lambs. Like, you get, like, all like Judas. Like, you could have fed all of Israel with those lambs, God. Imagine how many, how many of the poor widows you could have fed with those lambs. Like, when the lady pours out the, the, the fragrance on, on Jesus' feet and Judas goes, man... Imagine if we sold that and gave the money to the poor, you know, put it in my back pocket, but like to the poor. But God is, God has realized and God knows that it is more important for these people to approach him, to receive spiritual food. This is then what Jesus reiterates about if you come to him, you can drink his living water and never thirst again. That man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is more important that the people come and connect with God than that they have food on their table. Can I tell you the most important thing in your life is approaching God, being with God. Islam does not offer this. Hinduism does not offer this. Buddhism does not offer this. Only Christianity, only Yahweh, the God who is triune, only he comes and meets with his people. And this is our highest calling. To meet with God is your highest calling. And so we got this smoky smell coming from Israel. They, they got the smoker going. It's cranking. And then it says this. This is the very next verse. You shall make an altar on which to burn incense. You shall make it out of acacia wood. 
a cubit, a cubit shall be its length and a cubit its breadth, and it shall be square and two cubits shall be its height. Its horns shall be like one piece with it. You shall overlay it with pure gold and on its top, around its sides and its horns, you shall make a molding of God around it, gold around it. And you shall make two golden rings for it under its molding on two opposite sides, you shall make them. And they shall be holders for the for poles um, with which to carry it. He's already thinking about the tra- transportation of the, like, God is, he's clever. He's like, I'm going to teach you how to make this. We're also going to deal with the transportation. This is how we're going to move it later. You, and you shall put it in front of the veil that is above the ark of the testimony, in front of the mercy seat, um, that is above the testimony where I will meet you. So the Holy of Holies is here, and right in front of it is this altar of incense. And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. Every morning when he dresses the lamps, he shall burn it. And when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it. A regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generation. So now we have these two kind of things happening every day, morning and night, morning and night. We see there is the burning of the sacrifices for all of Israel to see. And right in front of the Holy of Holies, there is the burning of incense. There is this burning of essential oils. You know, like just before God, God's like, I'd like lavender today, please. And so we see this like this two-way combination of this very like kind of brutal, bloody, not super nice smoke smokehouse out the front it's kind of like there's the pitmasters you know like Aaron's a pitmaster he's out the front like smoking the meat but then he goes before the presence of God and lights a candle there is this incense the sweetness right in front of the presence of God and so I want to suggest to you today that when God takes his worship he takes it sweet and he takes it smoky. He likes his worship to be sweet and smoky. He doesn't just want it to be smoky. He's like, I've got the perfect idea for pork ribs. Here's an idea. You're going to smoke them. And then just before it's finished, I want you to baste it with a sweet barbecue sauce. And so it's like sweet and tangy and smoky. And that's the flavor I would like. God has said, this is what I want my worship to look like. This is what I want worship to look like. So God likes his worship sweet and smoky. Now, what do we do with this? Because I don't know if you notice this, but um, behind these curtains, we don't have the presence of God hiding. And um, we have a sound desk, unfortunately, down the back. We're not, you know, barbecuing anything today. Like, what do we do with this passage? Because... So often what what happens, and this is what leads to so much confusion 
in people's lives is people assume that the Old Testament is over here and God is kind of a little bit mean and a little bit angry and then we Jesus comes and kind of like tempers God's mood and then the Holy Spirit comes and now we just like laugh and we have silly guess. You know, like, and I think that like they go, people go, oh man, God in the Old Testament, he was, he was pretty brutal. He just liked the sacrifices and stuff. And I think because we've done that, because we've assumed that we just go, we, we read this passage and we go, that was just for then. It doesn't really apply because we don't do that stuff anymore. And if we start sacrificing animals in church, we are for sure being called a cult. Um, and, and so what do we do with this? What do we do with these passages? What, how, do we, how do we deal with this? And can I give you the answer that for church, the last 2,000 years of church history, that, that, that the church fathers and, and, and great theologians have, have done with any passage that they go, how, what do we do with this? Do you want to know what their secret is? This is the secret source. They let the Bible tell you. They actually, they let the Bible interpret itself. And this is why it is important to not just read the letters of Jesus. It's not just important to know Paul's theology, but you need to see the whole story, the whole picture of Scripture. Because this verse that we go, ah, we just throw that out. It doesn't make any sense anymore. It doesn't matter anymore to us. This verse, the Bible interprets for us. See, there is this moment, David is in distress. He is um, likely, this is Psalm 141, he is likely out in the wilderness running away from Saul. He is far away from the presence of God. He is far away from the, the, the people of Israel. He's far away from all of these things. And verse 1 of uh, Psalm 141, you can go there with me. It says this, O Lord, I call upon you, hasten to me, give ear to my voice when I call you. So he's far away from God and he's saying, God, I'm desperate. I need you. How are we going to get through this? God, I need you. And then he says this incredible statement. And because David is the Old Testament picture of a man after God's heart, Oh, oh, he's, he's the Old Testament picture of New Testament worship. David prophesies in the way he prays to God. David says this prophetic word, which explains why we do what we do. He says this, let my prayer be counted as incense before you. And the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Now, when Bible commentators read that, when they've interpreted it, they will link this back to Exodus 29 and 30 because they've realized and they've recognized that David is looking back at the way that God said, this is how I want my worship. He's looking back at the way God said, this is how I want People, my people to come and interact with me. And David is prophesying about a future. 
David is in the wilderness and he begins to prophesy and he says, God, let my prayers, the words that come out of my mouth, be like incense. Do you know when you pray to God, when you use your voice, when you sing, it is like incense in front of the mercy seat. It's like you, when you pray, when you start to speak out, not just like, oh, I'm praying in my head today. When you pray, it's like you're Aaron going in before the throne of God, before the mercy seat and lighting incense. And it's the sweet smelling fragrance before God. See, so often we think prayer is for us. Like, I'm going to pray, and this is why we just shopping list pray, and we just go, God, I, I, need, I need this and this and this and this and this, and, we, and that's our entire prayer life. But when you realize that the words coming out of our mouth are prayers to God, are, are prayers that say, God, I worship you. And, and the, the words coming out of your mouth are a sweet-smelling fragrance before the throne of God, before God, right in his face. You start to pray different. And this is the reason that a majority of our worship on a Sunday morning when we gather together is about singing. The reason we sing is we're praying. When we sing words, we're praying, which is why like the Psalms, we don't just sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord every time, every song. Like the Psalms, we sing, God, I'm desperate. God, you're my provider. God, I come to you with all my needs. God, I know that you're a strong tower where I can run to and I'll find safety. God, I can come to you. God, as, as, a, as a deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. The reason our worship is, has emotions and, you know, it's not just like these stoic songs is because we're praying. We're lighting candles before his throne because God likes his worship sweet. But he also likes it smoky. David's second part is let the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. This is the reason we lift our hands. We don't lift our hands because, um, you know, you know, youth ministry. When uh, I'm being a youth pastor right now, I'm being. This is what I always kind of heard was, you know, like when you're at the beach and you're out in the water and you get caught in a rip and you put your hand in the air to let a lifeguard know to come and save you. That's why we lift our hands in worship. That's, that's not why we do it. We don't do it to emulate a rock concert where you wave your hands in the air. We do it because David prophesied saying that the lifting of our hands was like the evening sacrifice. See, my prayers are before God. My hands are before others. My hands are signifying to the whole camp that we are worshiping the Lord. That God, the one who delivered us, the one who saved us, the one who set us free, it's time to worship the Lord. It's time to praise Him. It's time to honor Him with our hands. 
And so this is why when we gather, when I'm leading worship, this is why I say, let's lift our hands. It's not because it makes me feel better. It's not because it makes it seem like we're all on the same page. But it's because when we do it, it makes our worship smoky. Because God likes his worship like I like my pork ribs. Sweet and smoky. He actually likes it when you say words when we sing. God likes it when you use your words to praise him and worship him. And he likes it when you lift your hands, when you honor him with the lifting of your hands. Now, I don't fully understand why that's what he chose. He could have said, David could have said, let the the sitting on my bottom be like the evening sacrifice. Or he could have said, let the wiggling of my toes be like the evening sacrifice. But he said, lifting of my hands. This is why we worship God the way we do. See, when it comes to the new covenant, in the old covenant, the priest did this on behalf of the nation. Because God dealt, God always deals with priests and with nations. Which is why in the New Testament, we, the body of Christ, are called a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Because this now, the body of Christ, is the nation God deals with. God deals with the people of God, which is from every tribe, every tongue across the entire world. And the priests in this new nation is not the pastor, it's not the worship leader, it's you. And so when we gather, it is the role and responsibility of each and every one of us to light incense before the throne of God and to let the lifting of our hands be like the evening sacrifice. So we're going to close right here. Um, I'd love you to stand and why don't we, we're going to lift our hands and pray because worship, because it's, it's, Lifting hands and prayer or praying out loud, speaking. We don't need music to be able to do it. Um, And so what we're going to do is we're just going to, for a couple of minutes, I'm not going to pray over you or anything like that. We are going to minister to the Lord. We are going to let the prayer that comes out of our mouth light incense before him. And we're going to let the lifting of our hands be like the evening sacrifice. We're going to honor the Lord. We're going to worship him because we're the we're, we're the holy nation, the kingdom of priests, the royal priesthood of God. And we are going to worship and honor the Lord together. And so to make it less awkward, what I'm going to do is I'm going to count us down from, from three. Just because like, yes, we're honoring the Lord together, but sometimes you know, we still are awkward because we're people. I'm sure sometimes Aaron went to light the incense and like he had to light the matches a few times because they were a bit wet because he left them out um, and like he, he forgot to like put them away. 
Um, and so I'm, I'm going to help you light the match. We're going to count down from three. We're going to lift our hands and we're going to use our voice as incense before the throne of God in three, two, one. Thank you, Lord Jesus, God. We honor you. We worship you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Come and have your way. Come and have your way. Come and have your way. Thank you, Lord Jesus, God. Come, come meet with your people, God. Come meet with your people, God. Come and meet with us, Lord Jesus. Come and meet with us, Lord Jesus. We love you. We love your presence. We love you. We love your presence. We love you. We love your presence, God. We love you. We love your presence. We love you. We love your presence, Lord Jesus. We love your presence, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you that we would be a worshiping people. God, we would be a people that as we gather on Sundays together, as the body of Christ gathers together in this house, that God, we would worship you and our worship, that the lifting of our hands would be like the evening sacrifice. And God, that the prayers of our lips would be like the sweet-smelling aroma before your presence. And God, we thank you that it says in Exodus 29, verse 45, that I will dwell among the people, and I will be their God. But God, we thank you that you would dwell among us.